to When Pigs Fly. We're uncovering Cincinnati's rich business history from 1800s to today. We talk to companies to learn the ups and downs of entrepreneurship, what it takes to grow a successful business, and to simply props to future innovation. I'm one of your co-hosts, Patrick Bailey. And I'm your other co-host, Allie Martin. And today we are talking to Alex Kroger. He has a wide financial background. He has worked for the Fed, the Federal Reserve, you know, the big people that- The big people, you know, the big people. The big people that regulate Top your dogs. money. Yeah. And then he's also worked for startups and projects that have worked in the cryptocurrency sphere and in the blockchain sphere. And we are excited to have him on to dive a little bit deeper into blockchain technology, crypto, and what is Web3. We kind of scratched the surface with this back in episode 14 with Mosin and a crew um, about what is blockchain. So if you have not listened to that episode yet, please go take a listen to that episode before you listen to this, or you might be a little lost. Um, yes. But because Alex takes a little bit deeper dive in, into what what's the next level after what yeah, is blockchain, blockchain is the foundation of <laughs> cryptocurrency and i think a lot of people can get very overwhelmed as to what cryptocurrency is and mm -hmm. we're really hoping that we can kind of paint a picture as best as we can for those who may not really know anything about it and if you you have a base and a knowledge of cryptocurrency hopefully you could take something away from this as well because we dive into a lot of different facets of cryptocurrency which I'm excited about because it is all it's over the It's not going news. anywhere. It's yeah. not it's going not anywhere. Going um, we like to remind you, as we remind you every episode, this is not investing advice. So please don't yes. just go, you know, take your, you know, forty, fifty thousand dollars $50,000 and go buy uh, Bitcoin with that money. But uh, use this as a learning experience. Um, and, you know, I think this kind of reminds me back to that episode on blockchain, episode 14. Ohio has some of the most progressive blockchain mm -hmm. Bitcoin regulations out there uh, in terms of recognizing the technology and that its use cases can be, be beyond monetary um, so right, this is why it's important for businesses to have a better understanding as to what cryptocurrency is, because like we said, it's not going anywhere. And if we have the ability to advance quicker in the state, let's do it. Exactly. So on that note, let's bring in Alex. Welcome to the podcast. We are glad to have you on and glad to learn a little bit more about crypto NFTs, coins, you name it. Web3 is the topic and term they use nowadays. I uh, would love for you to give us a little bit of background about yourself and how you became kind of an expert in crypto and Web3. Great. Uh, thanks for having me. My name is Alex Kroger. I've been working in the crypto space for about four years now. And my first job in crypto was at Coinbase four years ago. I worked there as a, a data scientist um, for a little bit over a year. And I decided to kind of hop into, so Coinbase is one of the largest um, centralized crypto exchanges in the United States. So it's where you go if you want to trade your bank account dollars to crypto. Decided to hop into something that's a little bit more on like the blockchain side of things. Three years ago, I joined a company, uh, a protocol called ZeroX, which is a decentralized exchange protocol. It's built on top of a blockchain called Ethereum. And then very recently, I did a, a short stint at a crypto venture fund that's housed within a larger venture fund called uh, Andreessen Horowitz. 
So that's, that's a little bit about my foray into crypto. Now, as we continue our conversation, I would love to, you know, bake in your experience in this crypto conversation. But because this is really our first time kind of talking about crypto and getting people up to speed, because some people might not really understand what cryptocurrency is. I know it's taken me a little while and a lot of research to kind of get my foundation and my footing under it. So let's backtrack a little bit. Let's even simplify this and just kind of give us a base understanding of what cryptocurrency is. And for those who don't really even understand what Web3 is, what Web3 means. Yeah, I guess so like starting with cryptocurrency. So it's kind of easiest to start with like the first one that a lot of people know about, which is Bitcoin. I start with like what Bitcoin is trying to do. So Bitcoin is basically trying to create a monetary system without the need for a centralized intermediary. And it's not new. It's not a new concept to have digital dollars, for example, like most of um, currency today exists in digital form, even in the traditional bank banking system. How you own digital money is usually intermediated by some financial institution. So how do you own $5,000 in a bank account? It's because it's on a ledger on a, at, a, at a bank. And that's how they move it around is, you know, one bank updates uh, their ledger. They send it to somebody else's bank. They update their ledger. Uh, what Bitcoin was trying to do is basically have a cash system that exists in electronic form. And so... You know, cash is a little bit different from digital money in that, like, I own it because I hold on to it. You know, I own like $100 because yeah. I have a $100 it's bill. physical. Yeah. And I can just give it to somebody. But that doesn't really exist in the, the digital world until uh, something like Bitcoin came along and basically, like, created a protocol for being able to send money from one person to another uh, without a, an intermediary between you. And without getting, like, too, like, into the weeds, you know, it's it's using some, I would call, like, crypto economic breakthroughs. So, like basically creating like this network of computers that is validating the authenticity of these transactions rather than a financial institution. And to take that like one step further, there's kind of an explosion of cryptocurrencies at this point. There's like many thousands and many hundreds of blockchains. I would call like Bitcoin its own blockchain. There's um, the next most popular one is Ethereum. It's its own blockchain. Yeah. Usually, so the main thing that kind of separates those is Bitcoin, I would kind of refer to as like, it's like a calculator. It does a specific thing really well and that's like moving money from one person to another and it's but it's a little bit difficult to build like other applications on that and so other blockchains that i that i would kind of throw into like kind of more of the web3 category um are basically kind of taking this concept of taking intermediaries out of the equation uh and applying it to more generalized applications than like simply transferring money from one person to another and like it's different for each cryptocurrency, they all kind of have like a separate value proposition. So like Bitcoin is like a pretty like pure monetary play. It's kind of like it's it like similar to investing in gold, I would say, um, as a concept. Well, yeah, yeah let's, let's actually talk about that. Let's continue to dive into the differentiators of the different cryptocurrencies out there and, and kind of give a little bit of a Especially clearer like overarching just like the, view. The big ones, right? Solana, Ethereum. Yeah, yeah. What, what, what differentiates them? And there's kind of like two different people, two different like groups of ideology around this. And I would kind of like put this first kind of grouping as like Bitcoin versus like everything else. <laughs> it's uh, mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like there's people who think that like the killer application of cryptocurrency is making a hard money and like a hard money, meaning something like gold, where it has a very like predictable supply schedule. It doesn't necessarily need to be like super useful and like commerce like people don't really use gold anymore to like you know pay people 
Because that's also part of this, too. It's like, why are people, not to totally interrupt your thought right now, but the basics of why are people investing in cryptocurrency? What is the utility of it? Or is there not? Yeah, I mean, I think that's, I mean, really, like for Bitcoin, I feel like that is like the use case is like you're using it to park your money. And at this point, it's still like slightly speculative. It hasn't like kind of fully reached this like global reserve status that like gold would have. But I think the idea is that like you hold it to either like kind of preserve your wealth or expand your wealth. That's kind of like the Bitcoin use case, as I understand it. But what about other cryptocurrencies? Yeah, with other cryptocurrencies, like most of them kind of fall in this more, this ideological camp that like the killer application of cryptocurrency is like many things. And it's kind of mm-hmm. like a more generalized technology that you can use to build uh, applications onto. Applications that are like what we call like DeFi, decentralized finance. So it could be like decentralized, like trading applications or mm-hmm. NFTs is another example. So non-fungible yeah. tokens like buying and selling art um, on the internet is another use case for these blockchains. And so like kind of the the reason to like buy like another token, like say what I would call like application blockchain is Ethereum and its native token is Ether. So like you would have potentially two reasons uh, for buying Ether. And one of them is to like use the blockchain. So like you had to buy Ether to pay transaction fees in order to like use um, the Ethereum blockchain. And maybe, maybe you wanna buy Ether so that you can buy an NFT Maybe you want to buy Ether so that you can, you know, participate in like a lending protocol, something like that. Or, you know, again, it could be speculation. Like maybe you think like Ethereum is like the future of all financial applications, in which case, like you think it's going to appreciate in value. That's kind of another reason that you would want to go buy cryptocurrency. Now, when it comes to cryptocurrencies as well, does so you have your coins and then does NFTs also tokens? Does that also fall under cryptocurrencies? Can you explain that a little bit more? Yeah, that's a that's a good question. So like most blockchains kind of have like what you would call like a native token. So like a token that is like has some function that on like the very basic functions of the uh, of the blockchain. So like Bitcoin is like a native token of the Bitcoin blockchain. Ether Mm -hmm. is like the native token of Ethereum. Um, what's cool about some of these like more like programmable blockchains as I would call them like Ethereum is you can create like other assets on top of them pretty easily. And so NFTs would kind of fall in that category. So like they are kind of these like extra tokens that you can put on top of a blockchain, um, that you can then own via like some other blockchain. So, you know, you would say like people own NFTs that live on Ethereum or people own NFTs that live on Solana. And so they're kind of like these these extra assets that are created within that ecosystem. I guess this might be a dumb question and a little bit biased, but why would anyone want to then buy Bitcoin if there are more use cases and, you know, possibilities with all the other, you know, tokens and uh, cryptocurrencies uh, on their blockchains, right? Like does why, that to do to the why scar- does that have to do with the scarcity? Well, yeah, I, like why scarcity Bitcoin? in air quotes? Yeah, I think it's I think it has to do with the fact that it's um, it's a relatively like conservative asset. And so I think it's it's niche that it's trying to fill is like being this um, this like reserve currency. And so like there's a bunch of other chains that are more exciting, but like you don't always want like like gold isn't an exciting asset. Like gold is pretty <laughs> lame. I mean, I guess it looks cool. If you wear it, but, like, um, it's been there, done that. Yeah. <laughs> But like, otherwise, like, that's you, literally the title of this episode. Gold, gold is, is lame. lame. <laughs> it is. It's pretty boring. I mean, if you buy it for like an investment asset, it literally just like sits in a vault as a bar. Um, Unless you have gold grills on your teeth. Not happening. 
Yeah, which, you know, probably not the best way to invest in gold, but <laughs> it's certainly a way to invest in gold. I, I think that like Bitcoin is boring on purpose. And it's funny for me to say that, like, it's kind of like within the cryptocurrency community, like Bitcoin is like, would be quote boring because it's, um, there's not a ton of development. They're not changing Bitcoin a lot. It's, it's a pretty static uh, concept. But like, that also means that like, you can have more faith in that like the Bitcoin that you know now is going to be the Bitcoin that you'll know in 10, 20 years. And there's like, there's some merit to that, that like, it's nice to have something that's like stable. I also imagine that like a lot of that is security too, right? Stability, but security, because when you're dealing with the digital world, I mean, none of this is tangible. And if Bitcoin was one of the first out the gate, their foundation and their firewall protect protection has to be much more vast and much more secure than some of the newer players coming in, I guess that's a question, then how important is security and when investing in crypto, how important is that? And, and where do you look to make sure that it is secure? Yeah, that's like an extremely important concept. And I, you're exactly right that like, because Bitcoin is relatively conservative in its development, it has a lower chance of like fucking up, <laughs> which is like, <laughs> and like fucking up in this context. The kind like, way of saying it. Yeah, It has a much lower chance of like something catastrophic happening. And like when you're thinking about like storing, you know, over a trillion dollars, um, like you should be pretty risk averse to having like the system mm -hmm. itself kind of something catastrophic happen. And like in the cryptocurrency world, at like the protocol level for a blockchain, like what that means is typically like you have a bug such that like the rules that you agreed upon are violated. So like a bug for Bitcoin might mean like somebody's able to mint Bitcoin and a bunch of like nodes agree with that. And suddenly like the supply cap isn't there anymore. So like kind of counterfeiting like crypto. Yeah, that could be like a that could be a software bug um, that like you want to avoid. And the more conservative your development, like the less you're trying to change things, the less likely you're going to have like a software bug being introduced into the system. Or a hacker. Yeah, hacking kind of looks like exploiting these like bugs um, or exploiting mm -hmm. these like opportunities for breaking the rules of the game. You know, Bitcoin, I would say like is probably like the least likely for that to happen to because it's it's relatively conservative in how it it changes. Being like somewhat deep in it, like I I think Ethereum is like changing. Um, but like, I, I trust that it's changing in like a safe, conservative way. And Is I that due to the fact that it's established or? Yeah, so there's, you know, it's hard to make changes to it still. And I trust like the the development process that's going into making changes to it. So there's, you know, there's really high power teams working in the Ethereum space that are trying to execute changes to it in a very safe, like peer reviewed way. Be so beyond just Bitcoin and Ethereum, uh, what, how many different cryptocurrencies are there out, are there? I mean, if you were to say like how many, I mean, if you were to include like NFTs as like tokens in this and like other tokens, like, I mean, it's thousands, maybe even millions. <laughs> um, of, and like, also how do you know if they're legit? I mean, it's kind of like any, it's kind of like any, if you're looking to like invest in something, it's kind of like any investing process. Like there's a lot of crappy shitty companies out there that you probably yeah, don't want yeah. to invest in or like you might be getting a terrible price for them um and cryptocurrency is no different and so i understand though it's, it's very daunting to people who like aren't super familiar with this space like getting in and like buying things because mm -hmm. you know there are there is a lot of crap out there there's there's even scams out there there's a lot of cryptocurrency scams like people just Ooh. um you know like running 
a pump and dump or whatever. And obviously you want to avoid those. Yeah. Well, I guess that's a good, that, this is a good point, right? So someone with your expertise and your knowledge, how would you recommend someone who is looking to get into cryptocurrency or and learn more about NFTs, whichever way they want to go? How would you recommend them doing that and beginning their resource or their research? I would say like the best way to start learning about crypto, the best way to do it is to start using it. Like set up a Coinbase account. What does it like, look like? Yeah. Yeah, buy like a small amount of Bitcoin, buy a small amount of Ether, Ethereum's native token. But isn't Bitcoin really expensive? But you can buy it in any fraction that you want to. You can buy 0. 0.0001 yeah. Bitcoin if you it want. Just, it just dipped below 40,000. Yeah, because, okay, yeah, you're like, ooh, yeah, just dip your in toes in Bitcoin. I personally don't have a, an easy $40,000 lying around <laughs> on my shelf behind me, so. You can invest in fractional parts of, you know, Bitcoin. So you can put a, you know, Wait, you can zero, put zero, 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 Yeah, you can buy a small fraction of a Bitcoin. So yeah, my <laughs> recommendation is, first off, like, um, probably helpful to like read uh, about it a bit. I'm a nerd, so I like going straight to like the deep technical stuff. Like I'll read like white papers of projects, like they're kind of like technical documentation. I, Do you just mm -hmm. Google white papers on crypto? Yeah, I'll go to their website. Why not? <laughs> but I wouldn't <laughs> recommend that for beginners. I would say, I don't know if this is still relevant advice, but one person that kind of got me into crypto in the early days and like kind of helped explain like the why of crypto to me was this guy named Andreas Antonopoulos. Mm -hmm. And he has a lot of material out there on like YouTube, he has books. And he also has like technical documentation if you end up getting into that. But he also has a lot of resources for like, this is kind of like the basics for how these things work. And this is like why you should care about it. So like, this is like why it's interesting to even want to try to use. And then following up on my earlier advice, I think like it's useful to buy kind of a small amount of things and just interact with it. And I think that's definitely the best way to start understanding and learning about the system is set up like a go to Coinbase, like set up a wallet, um, buy like a little bit of Bitcoin, set up a Bitcoin wallet on like another website, like start transferring it between them, like just kind of see how it works and get a feel for it. And like, you'll learn a lot doing that way. I think that's actually like the best way to learn. But like, if you're skittish about like, you know, buying anything without like kind of completely understanding it, I would say Andreas potentially also already or still a, a great resource for kind of like understanding like some of the very basic concepts and uh, why you should be interested in it. What is what are your takes of why should people be interested in crypto? Yeah, I so the reason I kind of got into crypto, one I find it fascinating. I think a lot of people would find it fascinating if they kind of dig into it. It like it hits yeah. so many interesting topics. It's technical, it's got like computer science, it's about money, it's like uh it like touches topics of like law and history. It's it's very fascinating. But like the reason I think like that I kind of got into it and like why I think people should care about it is I think we've been on a trend for many years now where we're kind of like relinquishing more control over our money, over our finances, um, over our data to larger, mm -hmm. large institutions that, that we don't really have a say in how they're run. And so I think cryptocurrency at its core is kind of taking a step back from that and saying like maybe you know, the individual should have more, more sovereignty over over their money, over um, the applications that they use. It's very interesting when you think about like, how do you own like the money in your bank account? It's actually like, it's just a record on some bank's ledger. Mm -hmm. And there are like some controls over like how you change that, but it's ultimately kind of up to this like- That's bank. a red herring. What's that? <laughs> I said, that's a red herring right there. 
I'm trying to think about like, I guess technically, do we own our own money? I guess in theory, like you're saying, it's owned by the bank, like in the end. Yeah, you own it. Well, you own it because the bank says that you do. But what if like you live in a country where there's not a lot of political freedom and you're like a, a dissident and all of a sudden like your bank account gets erased because of some like government mandate yeah. or something like that. And again, I think these are unlikely scenarios for like the three of us sitting here, but um, no, Ali's gonna get her bank account. That's it. That's it. Like, Where's know. my forty thousand dollars? It's going straight to Bitcoin. <laughs> I guess I shouldn't presume about like how you know rebellious you guys are and what kind of activities you're doing <laughs> outside of podcasting, but uh, like cryptocurrency is it's interesting that like it gives you ownership in a very profound way. Like it it gives you cryptographic ownership, which I think is kind of like the strongest possible thing that you could have. It's like you own things because you have access to like a password that you hold and no one else holds. It's almost like more profound than owning things physically. It's like, it's harder for, it's like in some ways like harder for someone to um, take away, you know, my cryptocurrency than it is for them to take away something that I physically own, which is, you yeah. know. So what is the best way one can protect themselves when executing these transactions in the crypto world? A couple things here. So like one, if, if you set up like a, an account with like a centralized crypto exchange, like 100% always put like two factor authentication on it. That's like step number one. And you should do this for like everything. I'm gonna, actually, I'm gonna say this is like general- Your IP Facebook price. password. No, <laughs> everything that you log into on the internet, you should have like a two factor authentication set up if, uh, if you can. And don't set up your secondary email as your college email that you don't remember the password to and can't get in. Yeah, that's right. Sounds like some uh, personal experience right there. I'll <laughs> we'll talk about that later. What, there's like different levels of security here. And like um, like the, the top tier, if you have a lot of assets in cryptocurrency, is getting what's called like a hardware wallet, um, which mm -hmm. is like this separate device that like holds your, um, your private keys securely um, that you can like then plug into your phone or your laptop or whatever in order to like move money around. Um, so that's kind of like the highest level of like security that you could use. That's for like individual. a physical piece of hardware. Yeah. It's like a USB drive basically. Yeah. You have lower levels of security by just creating like what would be like a, um, like just a normal wallet on your, um, on your laptop or your phone. There's a lot of options there. Um, mm. Like MetaMask is like an extremely popular Ethereum wallet. So, I mean, that's just a piece of software that you're running on your laptop, it's a little less secure because, you know, in theory, like your device could get compromised. The way I think about it, it like a software wallet, like you would have on like your phone or your laptop, I think of it as like a physical wallet that you would carry with you. So it's like, mm. um, yeah, you have like a certain amount something of something that you might want to put in a fireproof safe. <laughs> yeah, that's like the like hardware wallet. But it's like if yeah. you're using like, you know, how much like cash would you carry around? Like I carry like some cash if I like needed to pay for drinks or something at a bar. People, ca people carry cash? Yes. Do you guys not carry I cash? Do. Are you guys not cash? I do. I'm, I, I'm a I'm cash kidding. gal. I, I love cash. I, I do not have that much cash, but I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Well, in theory, let's say you were to carry cash. Like, you probably wouldn't carry $10,000 in your pocket. Um, Don't risk more than you're willing to lose is what you're saying. Well, that's kind of how I think about it with a, like, a phone or a laptop wallet is there's a higher chance of it getting hacked. You know, I think about it with, like, my cash in my physical wallet, like, there's a risk that I have that like I could lose my wallet and lose the money or whatever, but um, mm -hmm. I keep it proportional to like the amount of money it's carrying. And so that's a good analogy though, especially for some, you know, people who have not 
carried cryptocurrencies before, yeah. not really thinking in tangential terms. So putting it in something in real world, I think is great for, you know, our audience and, uh, you know, something to think about for myself uh, as I start getting into crypto. Yeah, totally. I mean, I think it's uh, it's kind of hard for people to grasp like cryptographic security sometimes um, with with mm -hmm. software. And so it's um, but yeah, you should think about it in terms of like the amount of money that you're holding and how much security that you need. Also, so like a lot of this is going to be like deep in the weeds, but just like a PSA. We're ready for it. We're ready. Yeah. If, so a lot of times like wallet will ask you to write down what's called a seed phrase. Um, and it's like, is this like your security questions of like, what would your mom's maiden name? It's kind of like that, but like supercharged in house, like secure, you need to keep it. <laughs> um, <laughs> okay. So I'm a little off. It's fine. No, it's no, fine. It's, I, think I, mean, I was thinking the same thing. So that's why I'm laughing. <laughs> um, a lot of times a wallet will give you like 12 English words, basically that you, it tells you to like write down and keep secure. And like those 12 words, like represent your password basically. And like, you could use that to like, oh. if somebody were to have those 12 words, they could steal your money basically. Wait, um, yeah, that's a good, okay. So what happens if you forget your username and password? And uh, if you, if somebody out, I'm sure someone has done that, <laughs> but that's, you, you gotta be screwed, right? Like if you don't have all of these things that you're talking about. Oh, there's horror stories. You just lost your $40,000. <laughs> no, it's, and that's seriously some. a, that's seriously a, an issue. I mean, so like with the, with you being in the driver's seat, there's a possibility that you can lose it. And like, there's nobody there that can help you. Like if you lose your password and like you lose your access to your device that has like the wallet on it, um, you're kind of just shit out of luck. And so that's why it's oh, so important man. to like take a few basic steps to like protect yourself. Allie, from make that. sure you write everything down. <laughs> yeah, this isn't, this is, I'm gonna blue light it so no one, no one can tell. I'm gonna Ziploc bag it, throw it in a fireproof safe. Come at me. Just like your vaccination card. Yeah. <laughs> When it's whatever it's like a wallet is telling you to write something down like your seed phrase like you write it down like keep it safe don't give to anyone but and that's like the way you would like recover your wallet like so i said like i had a device that's like a hardware wallet um if i were to like lose that device um i don't lose access to my wallet because i have this seed phrase written down oh those that i could words. go back and like buy a new hardware wallet and recover it basically there is some resilience there but like tons of people um, have lost their crypto just because like, you know, they, they create a phone wallet, they have a bunch of crypto on there. They never wrote down their seed phrase, um, or they, you know, write it down somewhere and they forget about it. And then, you know, if you lose your phone, you drop it in the Ohio river, if you will. You are um, definitely not getting it back. If you. <laughs> yeah, it's gone. <laughs> it's gone forever. <laughs> so, okay. I'm going to try it to take us a different direction and talk about everything but Bitcoin and monetary policy, partially because that's what I think is the most fascinating part about crypto or the additional, I guess, technologies and industries that I can support. So first and foremost, because if I do not ask this question, my colleagues in my day job will stone me to death. Um, are NFTs just this big fake thing that's eventually good? People are going to lose a whole bunch of money on like, yeah, what's up with these on, NBA like, NFTs? I got it. There's we gotta NBA talk about this. NFTs. <laughs> there's something called the yacht, yacht monkey club or whatever. Yacht eight. Oh, I <laughs> yeah, saw that. Whatever. There is like, uh, what you have a Corgi, um, on there's your, monkeys, a, a Corgi there, are, NFT. there are like women, like, yeah. And I powering women graphics mint their own nfts and i'm like this is crap like in the sense of like 
if we're looking in terms of artwork and value. Like, I get it if it was actual, like, artwork digitized, but... You're just not expanding like, your imagination, Patrick. Maybe not, It's subjective, it looks, of course. It looks, it, looks like, it looks like Microsoft Paint, okay? <laughs> like, that's what it looks like. Genius. <laughs> All right, you're asking, like, potentially... So I'm not going to be good at, like, giving, like, a bull case for NFTs. I'm, like, I just... I don't consider myself, like, deep in that space. And like Ali said, I would say, like, the valuation of these things is, like, totally subjective. It's, like, if you find, like, you know, like, you find community and nfts and you create your own value you appreciate the artwork then like it can be valuable to you i i do like nfts in the sense that like um actually i'm going to take one step back and say like nfts can be a lot of different things so ali said it before nft means non-fungible token so it doesn't necessarily even mean art it just means a token that represents a unique item yeah i guess like how do you see this moving forward as a utility in just five, 10 years from now, if, if you could predict, because I, I had someone tell me once, oh, you know, I think you're going to start seeing celebrities if they're not already doing this, creating NFTs. Patrick, maybe this was you who told me this. And next thing you know, they're creating communities and then you're buying into this NFT and I you mean, have to Kylie buy this key to, a whole bunch yeah, to unlock coins, this so. celebrity lifestyle. Then who knows <laughs> what access and information you're granted with this NFT. I don't know. I'm just using that as an example. So what are you, what are your thoughts on what this might look like, you know, 10 yes, five, other 10 years? use cases for NFTs or just, you know, anything but Bitcoin crypto? Yeah, well, I guess starting with like NFTs, like I think I think gaming is going to be a big area of expansion. I think it's actually like a pretty good use case for NFTs to have um, game items represented as them. So what's cool about like any of these kind of tokens is like they they don't they're not specific to any like particular platform. So like if you have like an in-game item in World of Warcraft, there's no way for like another video game to kind of like grab that like that fact that you had that item and like kind of display yeah. it to you in another game. And so NFTs yeah. kind of could be like this cool bridge between games where it's like you have a Fortnite skin, you have like a, a skin concept that like, you know, outfit or whatever or dance or whatever <laughs> um like, <laughs> that you can display in Fortnite, but then all of a sudden you could play like another another game like world of warcraft or whatever and yeah it could be existing in that world as well so it, it's kind of like they're kind of metaverse yeah they're well made for the metaverse that are that's going to cut across like many different platforms and you could have what i would call in like nerd term like statefulness like you have like uh this concept of like your user is coming to you and they have like this inventory of stuff already they have like this background that you can kind of draw on to give them a unique experience. Whereas like the, the gaming world and like metaverse world of today maybe is kind of more siloed where it's like, everybody's kind of coming to each world like a little bit fresh. Um, and there's not kind of this concept of like, oh, I own a bunch of these Over. items that's coming with me to platform to platform. What do you think is one of the most important things people know that we haven't already discussed about cryptocurrency? Yeah, I think, Funny enough, I don't think we've like tackled like Web three. That's probably like a term that people have been hearing a lot. Oh yes, we and like yeah, we did mention that at the very top. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's a term that's been thrown around a lot. And like, what exactly does it mean? Um, yeah. And I'll start off by saying it's not very easy to answer because it means a lot of things. But um, just where does like the term itself come from? Uh, web three implies there was a web one and a web two. And indeed, like there are kind of like eras of the web, um, like before the one that, um, we're describing with web three. 
And so like the web one world is kind of like the early days of the internet that were like very decentralized community driven initiatives and like very kind of like hacker E. Um, mm -hmm. And those were the days when like, it was a little bit more like nerd focused probably, but it's like people would mm -hmm. run like their own web servers, um, people to like host their own websites, like people would host their own email servers to like talk to each other. So that's a very like kind of like flat architecture. So it's like, it's very peer to peer, but it's very clunky and it's very like hard to use. And so web two is kind of like the centralization of these services. So instead of running your own email server, you have Gmail. Um, and all of a sudden, like you have large cloud providers um, being able to third parties that yeah exactly step in yeah within this web too yeah the, that are almost deve like de developers I guess of sort yeah that's that's right and like they're kind of like creating applications that are easier for people to use um, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but like you know using Gmail is like a pretty delightful email experience obviously uh, honestly. And um, that's big because time, it's like time. kind of hosted by Google and they've kind of like done a lot of things for you. Also and, just sold my soul to Google, so it's fine. <laughs> yeah, we all, I feel like everyone has a Gmail at this point. So, <laughs> <laughs> so yep. you know, um, we've just got to make peace with it. But yeah, Web3 is like the next iteration potentially. I guess backing up one more step is like Web2 also brings with it kind of a lot of problems where it's, there's problems with centralized authorities managing our data, managing our access to um, social media. But I think like a lot of people would say like uh, there's problems with these platforms yeah, and like the centralized control that they bring. And so Web3 is kind of like some of the decentralized architecture of Web1 where there's no kind of like centralized intermediaries kind of controlling the flow of information, like controlling um, the flow of finance on the internet. I guess, yeah, so this might be a stupid question. So then how does one access Web3? Yeah, so it's just, you know. Crypto. Yeah, crypto, yeah, it's a good uh, answer. It's like, I mean, it's just another kind of like internet, set of internet applications. So like you can access Web3 applications via Chrome in your browser. Um, but like a distinguishing feature is a lot of these kind of use crypto um, as a way of kind of making the system work where, you know, like you pay, use like crypto to pay for fees to financial services, like you use crypto for your like finances in like a web three financial application. You know, maybe you're an artist and you represent your artwork as NFTs and like you're selling them. Like those are all like web three activities, I would say. Where should, I guess, society and I guess maybe Cincinnati even though you, you're out in the Bay Area right now, be focusing our energy on in terms of building that next wave of technology and integration of Web3. What should we be doing to prepare for Web3? And again, like Web3 and cryptocurrency are kind of, you know, very intertwined. I think it goes back to just like trying it, educating yourself, like try some of these applications out, try to make a trade, on Uniswap or like go to Coinbase and like buy a small amount, set up a wallet, see how it works. So I think those are, I think just interacting with these things and seeing what they can do um, is kind of step number one. And then if you want to, I mean, there's kind of like a growing ecosystem of like uh, of stuff to do different verbs, if you will. Like if you're an artist, like you can 
try creating an NFT, like try selling your artwork on. Um, Sell paint, your little paint artwork, Patrick. Yeah, Patrick has got okay. some excellent. Microsoft My Microsoft paint. paint skills are pretty dope. <laughs> how much? How much do you think your Microsoft paint skills would go for Ooh, millions, on the open market? Millions. Millions. <laughs> I'm freaking Picasso. <laughs> You're an artiste. That's actually, this is a great segue to at least my closing question of what is the best way that um, people can find you and maybe follow along on your crypto journey because you're, you're in the weeds. So you'd be a good guy to follow. And I imagine you're on Twitter. <laughs> I am on Twitter. Uh, I'm at Alex underscore Kroger. Yeah, that's only if you have like a high tolerance for like shit posting and like general silliness. <laughs> <laughs> so he, you're, you do have a pretty, warm. you know, cute corgi, you know, profile pic that looks out, out of Microsoft Paint. <laughs> yeah, you can like Microsoft Paint corgi is his profile picture. So yeah, you know, you found Alex when you find the Microsoft Paint corgi. And I do want to add that it's Kroger with an added e, so. K R O like E G E R for yeah. the listeners who actually growing up in Cincinnati automatically yeah 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 growing up in Cincinnati like my I had to spell my name in a very funny way where like everyone wants to spell like the store K R O G E R and so I had to always yeah. spell my name K R O E and like pause for effect and then say G E R capital E yeah. <laughs> I love it. Well, thank you so much, Alex. And on that note, uh, we appreciate you coming on and helping us understand a little bit more about crypto and Web3. And uh, pretty soon, Ali is going to be trading, you know, 40K. You just wait. Money bags over here. All right. On that note. (laughs) Bye, everyone. Well, that was a (laughs) lot of information. And I am so glad that we had Alex on. Clearly, he knows what he's talking about in terms of cryptocurrencies, uh, NFTs, non-fungible tokens, uh, as a repeat for what you mentioned earlier, uh, and their use cases and why people should care about them. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's not going going anywhere. It's not going away. Uh, Mm -hmm. Governments clearly are using them as kind of a substitute for gold, which was mentioned a few times. Uh, You know, if you know, inflation keeps going the way it is in America. <laughs> might, might might be taking uh, Ali's 40K and putting seat, it in yeah. some Bitcoin. <laughs> Here we go, but, switching gears. <laughs> right? But for me, I think the biggest value add that I think crypto and NFTs have are their use cases outside of monetary, I guess, policy or monetary use in the sense of they could be used for artwork. They could be used for documentation of articles mm-hmm. they can be used for medical records they could be used for i don't know as we had earlier on in our podcast series we had a crew in it was commercial real estate you know deals. you literally just took the words out of my mouth on that one <laughs> yeah 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 so it could definitely be used for these different use cases and i think we're just scratching the surface we ju- we stated at the at the top of this that you know Back in what? It was 09 that this started and this was created. And Mm -hmm. it was very... People weren't sure if it was here to stay. And once 2017, 2018 came around, we started to realize, okay, it's not going anywhere. And that's why it is really important to start paying attention and just dialing in every once in a while. And I think Alex said it best. In order to really get to know what cryptocurrency is about, you really need to invest yourself and actually take action and do 
mm-hmm. and start investing and really making sure that if you do start investing and when that time's and when that time comes is to protect yourself as much as you can and taking those steps of dual authentication um, on knowing your passwords, protecting your passwords, protecting your devices, not risking more than you're willing to lose. And so you mitigate your risk, uh, but you really just huge. have, you just have to do it. You really have mm-hmm. to do it in order to learn it and, and see what's working and what's mm-hmm. not working. I liked what he said, you know, get two different crypto wallets, one to, you know, yeah. I, you buy the crypto coins and then you trade it to another wallet just so you can see a transaction happen, right? And, and that's just to, crypto. Yeah, that's just yeah, the Yeah, that's not even – that's just, again, scratching the surface, the mm-hmm. monetary value. And that's just trading to another person. You're not buying or selling anything with that, right? No, yeah. That that, point, and you're not cre- – but you're also not creating. Like your NFTs, you're creating. Mm-hmm. You're, you're talking specifically about the coins and then what yep. about the tokens? Yeah, I guess – I don't mean – this. Ooh. this may, what? For, I, no, I'm just saying, sorry, now I'm now going because I think about <laughs> even someone like us or content creators yeah. out there and artists out there. We, we mentioned it at the very bottom of the podcast. Our podcast what on does an NFT. What does this mean for, for creators? Because again, you, you have, as Alex said, the Facebooks and the YouTubes and, and those companies who mm-hmm. are taking so much from the creators. And these creators are at the beck and call to these algorithms. Whereas mm-hmm. this, the Web 3s and these NFTs allow us to take control back allow us to take that control back in order power for to the us people. power to the people and our in order for us to create and so, sell it to Allie, others. Are you saying that we Here need to put we our podcast? So I'm about we, to be a mural artist. You say that we need to put our podcast on our, or put our podcast on NFTs and then also maybe do some uh, crypto pigs or something like maybe, that. Maybe or sing, sing our way through the podcast. <laughs> I don't know, but we are on to something. Well, let us on, know. Let us know. Uh, on Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram, uh, we are very active on all socials, so please reach out to us. Uh, you can also email us at host at whenpigsfly.fm. We do check our emails. That is hosts, plural, at whenpigsfly.fm. And feel free to download any of our previous episodes uh, that help helps us gain visibility with other, uh, you know, listeners out there in the Web2 world. Maybe we'll be uh, very well much uh, <laughs> present in Web3 here shortly. Uh, but also, please go review, like uh, on Apple Podcasts, but Spotify has also just dropped uh, their review capabilities as well. So please go review us on Spotify. Uh, we really do appreciate that because that helps us in terms of visibility. And most importantly, Allie, what should they do? Tell a friend, tell a family member, tell someone if you're in another metasphere, if you're playing Oculus, you're in the Oculus world, tell <laughs> someone in, in the <laughs> Oculus world about this podcast because it helps and we appreciate go you. Tell, go tell the metaverse people, okay? Go tell the metaverse. <laughs> Or whoever's in your Reddit verse or in your your Reddit link. I don't know. On that note, Allie, cheers. Cheers. And here's some necessary legal stuff. Allie Martin and Patrick Bailey developed the When Pigs Fly podcast in collaboration with the Up Company LLC. At the time of this recording, we do not own equity or any financial interest in the companies which appear on the show unless otherwise indicated. 
All opinions expressed by podcast participants are solely their own opinion and do not reflect the opinions of the EW Scripps Company and its affiliates or Generator Management LLC and its affiliates or any entity which employs us. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon as a basis for investment decisions. We have not considered your specific financial situation nor provided any investment or legal advice on the show. Thanks for listening and we'll talk to you next week. We also wanna give a shout out to Claire and Christian of Moonbow. They're the two artists of our intro song, which is so catchy and gets stuck in our heads all the time. So bop over to Spotify or wherever you find your music and give them a listen. And Like the Night by Moonbow is courtesy of Silver Lake Sync. <laughs>